You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amen. Romans chapter 5 is where we'll be, and I'll, I think you'll see very quickly that song was not a coincidence. I'm so thankful that you're here. I prayed for you. Even if I don't know who you are, I prayed for you. uh, I hope the messages today could be a blessing to you. I'm excited to preach them to you this morning and tonight. And I I pray the Lord will use them. Romans chapter 5, verse 20. I'm going to preach this morning, I'll title this effort, Overrun, Yet Overwhelmed. Do you know what overrun means? I didn't either. I looked it up. To occupy in large numbers. That's what it means to be overrun. Do you know what overwhelmed means? To load, to heap, to treat, or to address with an excessive amount, to overcome completely, overrun, yet overwhelmed. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Father, bless the preaching of your word. Let it bring glory and honor to your name. Let it be effective and effective for eternity's sake. We ask this in your name. Amen. There will be some distractions this morning, but do not let them distract you. It's a common occurrence for me to read something in my Bible that I do not understand because of its complexity. I don't understand parts of the minor prophets because of their complexity. I don't understand some of the prophecies of Daniel because of their complexity. Even Daniel, the hearer of these prophecies, from the mouth of God himself, says at the end of his book about one of the prophecies, I heard, but I did not understand. And he asked God, could you explain this? And he says, seal it up. It's not for you. It's for the time of the end. Frustrating. I don't understand 
some of Paul's writings. I know you love, brother, uh, you love Paul, Brother Mark, and some things that he writes. Even Peter, you know the first pope, him. <laughs> even Peter, that, that great leader of the early church, says in his second epistle, he says, you know, Paul, according to the wisdom that was given to him, has written many things unto you, of which are things hard to be understood. If Peter was alive today, wouldn't you love to be able to say, I read this in Galatians. Can you explain it? And, and can, does it make you feel just a little bit more encouraged that Peter would say, yeah, no idea. <laughs> Some idea. And he says, you know, people take those, those areas that are hard to be understood and they, they rest them and they change them and they, they try to make it to where it can be understood. But guys, some, some things in the Bible are just hard to be understood. I'm not embarrassed to tell you there are parts of the Bible that I do not understand because of their complexity. However, I'd be lying if I told you I was not embarrassed that there are some parts of the Bible that I do not understand because of their simplicity. It doesn't bother me to tell you there are parts of the Bible that I do not understand because I'm not smart enough. It bothers me when I have to tell you there are parts of the Bible that I don't understand, and I think you're going to know what I mean when I say this. There are parts of the Bible that I do not understand because I'm too smart to just trust what God says. Intellectualism is the enemy of faith. Nothing wrong with intellect. Intellect is reason. Intellectualism is elevating reason to number one. Faith and intellectualism don't share seats. Faith will not take second chair to intellectualism. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And what is faith? Faith is seeing everything right in front of you and being able to understand it and explain it all. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Looking into the future for something that has not yet come, but holding it in your hand as if it, if it has already happened. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Looking and not seeing it and yet saying, I see it with spiritual eyes. Intellectualism doesn't like that. And there are some things that don't make sense because they're more complicated than we'd like them to be. But there are also some things that don't make sense because they're more simple than we think they should be. Ring, 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 ring. Hello, sir. Is this so-and-so? Yes, it is. How'd you get my number? I got your number because you were entered to win a million-dollar sweepstakes, and you've won. All you have to do is give me your bank account information, and the money's yours. <laughs> it's that simple. No, have you ever seen the sign? of? It says something ridiculous, like, no credit, no money, no driver's license, no problem. Buy your next car here. <laughs> that simple, I'm sure. How about this? If you're a parent, son, go clean your room. Yes, sir. And I will not only clean my room, I will also clean the living room and the family room, and I shall do the dishes. <laughs> too simple. Too sim What have you done, right? What have you done? Or what do you want? 
Nothing is ever that simple. Not much activates doubt in our minds and in our hearts than when something is more simple than we think it should be. And I got to be honest with you, Romans chapter 5, verse 20 is a verse where my brain gets in the way of my faith. This is one of those verses that doesn't make sense to me, not because it's so complex, but because it's so simple. Now, I'm not a complete moron. I do understand. Thank you for laughing at that. I, I, I do understand the first part of the verse. I understand the first part of the verse. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Easy. Easy. I got that. that that's, that's understandable. That makes perfect sense to me. And, and I'll explain it to you. So before the law was given through Moses, a lot of people lived before then, right? And sin had already entered this world thousands of years before. Sin entered this world long before the law entered this world, right? So then when the law entered, the law did not create sin. Sin was already in existence, right? I'm going to talk with my hands today to make sure that you're paying attention. <clears throat> when the law entered, the law did not create sin. When the law entered, the law did not cleanse sin, the law was not given to create sin. It was not given to defeat sin. So listen, religious person, how many times have you heard somebody say, or, or maybe, maybe you've asked, how do you think you're going to go to heaven? And they say something like this, keep the Ten Commandments. How many of you have ever heard that before? Right? Yeah. Okay. Keep the Ten Commandments. Keep the golden rule or, or, or whatever. O obey God's law. You want to go to heaven? Obey God's law. Okay. Keep the commandments. Ian, Ian, right outside, right outside this, are, are there, are, I think there's a frame of the Ten Commandments hanging on the wall. If it is, rip it off and bring it here. I'm sure it's not um, important to the structural integrity of the building. Okay. You believe that your eternity, that your eternal life, that, that heaven is yours if you keep the commandments, okay? That's what religion tells you. Do you see it? Perfect. Bring it up. Oh, take your time. It's not like we have 100 people waiting on you. The Ten Commandments. Thank you, but it was him who did the work. I appreciate it, though. Let's see how we've done, okay? Keep the commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. How are you doing with that one? You ever broken that one? Ever stayed home to watch a football game and didn't go to the house of God? No, 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 no never, never, never done that. Ever looked at your phone and spent time on social media before you read his word? Ah, oh, stink. You had to bring that one up. Okay, so first one, broken. Number two, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Well, I, I, okay, I, I've never, I've never, I've never done that. <laughs> okay, well, all right, fine. Oh, but there is that one thing. If you're guilty in one point of the law, you're guilty of all of it. But we'll ignore that for now. Because if, if we're going to be religious and believe that eternal life is because of obeying the law, you have to ignore a lot of the Bible anyway. So we'll just ignore that other part. Number three, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Never said, oh my God, before? Never said Jesus Christ before, not in prayer. Never texted OMG. Oh, stink. Yep, broken. Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, we don't have to remember the Sabbath day anymore because Jesus is our rest. 
But let's talk about church. You ever miss church when you could have been there? That one's done. Honor thy father and thy mother. We'll skip past that one. Mom and dad are here. <laughs> thou shalt not kill. I, I hope. But then Jesus had to come and ruin it and say, if you even hate somebody in your heart, you've killed them already. Amen. You ever said in your thoughts, you ever said in the imagination of your thoughts, you know what? This world would be better without you. Let me rephrase that. Have you ever worked for a boss that shouldn't have been a boss? <laughs> oh, that one's broken. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, uh, uh. And it's not just talking about actions of the hands. It's talking about notions of the heart. Ever looked on a lady with lust, sir? Ever looked on a man with lust, ma'am? That one's done. Thou shalt not steal. <laughs> You guys steal Tyler envelopes all the time to write notes on it. <laughs> Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Never told a lie? Never told a lie to make yourself look better than another person? Never withheld a little bit of the truth to make yourself look better than another person? Oops. Thou shalt not covet. All the time. All the time. Ladies, you call it browsing. <laughs> Gentlemen, we call it just looking at the truck next door. <laughs> just looking at the gun magazine. <laughs> okay, so, so, the law entered, religion says, to cleanse your sin, all right? All you have to do is obey these and you're good. If that's true, we're all in big trouble. We're all in big trouble. Oh, well, I'm in church. Nope. You are a blasphemous, idolatrous, vain-speaking, lazy, dishonoring, murdering, adulterous thief who lies and wants everything that you don't have in God's eyes. The law entered... Not to create sin, not to cleanse sin, to define sin. The law entered that the offense might abound. Wasn't given to make us sinners. It wasn't given to save us sinners. It was given to reveal just how much of a sinner we are. Can you imagine this with me? Imagine you're led down into a deep dungeon, guarded by a thick metal door. And when the door is opened, you can't see anything inside. The darkness of the cell overrides the light even coming from the corridor in which you stand. And you're led into the room, and the door shuts behind you. You wait for your eyes to adjust to the darkness, but it's no use. You put your hand in front of your face, and you can't see anything. And you're uncomfortable because even though you can't see anything, you can feel that there's something wrong in the room. And you're uncomfortable about it, but because you can't see anything, you're able to tell yourself in your mind, my discomfort is unwarranted. Right? It, 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 it could, yes, things could be wrong. I feel that they are, but they very well could be right because I can't see. 
You're fearful because if things are wrong, you feel they could be very wrong in that room, but because you can't see anything, nothing has been revealed, you can tell yourself, I, I, I think I'm good, I think I'm good. But suddenly a window is opened and light shines through. And it slowly shines through and as more and more light begins to shed on the room, you come to the immediate realization your feelings about the room were not only correct, but it is much worse than you thought. There's black mold covering the walls. Insects of all shapes and sizes and forms and leg count have infested the room and the light even shows they're crawling on you. There's rats, there's mice, there's bats on the ceiling, some alive, some decaying in death. And the moisture of the room, oh, I hate that word, the moisture of the room and leaks in the roof are, are pooling into these festering miniature swamps with maggots in them. Okay, look. Once the light entered through that window, it didn't create all of that. The offense had always been there, but it revealed the offense, and it revealed just how abundant that offense was. That room is your heart, okay? That room is your heart. That window that lets the light through is the law. The light is Jesus. But the window that lets the light through is the law. The law does not create the filth in your heart. It does not clean the filth in your heart. That's not why it was given. Well, I'm obeying the Ten Commandments. They were never given to save you and to clean your heart. They were given to prove you can't keep them. You can't keep them. It's impossible. It's impossible to do. Wasn't given to create the filth. Wasn't given to clean the filth. It just reveals the filth that's already there so that you can see how filthy it is. And then what do you do? I need to clean this up. I can't stay here. I will not stay here. The law entered to accomplish one job. Make sin abound. And it does it very well does it very well. It makes sin abound by defining sin clearly and unapologetically. The law follows you around, and whenever you're covetous of something, sin. And here's your account. It just follows you around. And every time you covet, sin. Oh, lust, sin. Oh, adultery, adultery sin. Oh, idolatry, sin. It just follows you along. Sin, 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 gossip, lying. Ooh, lying. Murder, sin. Hate, sin. Withholding good, sin. Cursing, sin. Oh, but I didn't say it. You thought it, sin. Drinking, sin. Oh, but I'm not drunk. You, 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 you tried, sin. <laughs> Disrespect, sin. Disobedience to authority, sin. The thought of foolishness, sin. 
blasphemy, sin. Taking the name of the Lord in vain, sin. Bitterness, sin. Doing the right thing for the wrong reasons, sin. It won't leave you alone. It did not create that. It's, just, it's doing its job. It's defining it clearly and unapologetically. And in doing so, the law has revealed sin is everywhere. Everywhere in this world. Everywhere in your heart. How many times have you lied? Let's not talk about any, any of the others. How many times have you lied? And then multiply that by the billions of people who are alive today, plus the billions of people who have already died, and all of their lies, sin abounds. Okay? The offense abounds just by the law defining it clearly and unapologetically. It makes sin abound. <laughs> the law makes sin abound by provoking the rebellious heart of man to go against it. Do you want to reveal rebellion in somebody? Tell them no. Oh, they seem like very respectful people. Tell them no. Tell them no one time. You want to reveal something? And, and, and you know what? Let, let's read these. Thou shalt have no. Thou shalt not. 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 No, 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 no. <laughs> Nothing reveals the depraved nature and rebellious heart of man more than the law. Because the law tells us no. A preacher said this, human nature resists restraint. My wife and I love watching these police officer shows. And so many times, put your hands behind your back. And they start backing up. And what does the officer say every time? Don't resist me. Don't resist me. I'm not resisting. I'm not resisting. While they are writhing and kicking and screaming, I'm not resisting. I'm not resisting. Because humans do not like being restrained. We are so evil, he continued, we conceive at once the desire to commit an act simply when we hear it's forbidden. When you see a sign that says, don't walk on the grass, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Oh, I'm going to, res I'm going to respect your property line, sir. And the fancier the sign is, oh, the more I want to step on it. Do you see the speed limit signs as restraints or challenges? <laughs> I had a student teacher. Now, teenagers, do not listen to anything that I'm about to say. Do you understand me? Okay, do not listen to anything I'm about to say. Put away your, Lena, put away your pen. Put away your pen. Do not listen. Do not listen to me. I had a student teacher one time. Her name was Pam. And she decides that it's a good idea to start class. I think I was a sophomore. It was a bad time in my life. Okay, I was intemperate in my youth. Please forgive me. I have matured and done so much better lately. I'm a very good person. She decided to, to start the class by saying, you know, a teacher was fired the other day in our independent school district because students were sneaking out of her class. And I just want you to know that will never happen in here. And when she said that, 
I would like to tell you that my first thought was, wow, I've never met a teacher like her. It was not my first thought. My first thought was, she's never met a student like me. <laughs> Did you sneak out? Yeah. Went and grabbed my lunch, brought it back into class, shared my lunch with the class during class, which I came to regret later, not because it was a bad thing to do, but because I was hungry at lunch then. <laughs> I snuck out. The law of thou shalt not sneak out provoked the rebellion of my heart to sneak out. Look at Romans chapter 7, verse 7. Look at how, look at how Paul describes it. Okay, it's right there. So, since the law provokes that sin in us, that's the law's problem, right? Then why was the law given? The law's being mean. Look at what he says. Is the law sin? No. God forbid. I wouldn't have known sin. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. The law is just doing its job, calling sin what it is. It's your own rebellion that then looks back at it and says, watch me. I had not known sin except by the law, for I had not known lust except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. Don't do that. But sin in me, taking occasion by that commandment, thou shalt not covet, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. It's a fun word to say, but it's a horrible word to define. Deep, wicked lust within my heart. As soon, I, I didn't know, he said I, there was a time in my life, I didn't know it was wrong to look at a woman and, and, and look at something that I wanted that I did not, I didn't know it was wrong, but then the law says, you are not supposed to do that. But it didn't change my heart to be, okay. It made me even more so want to do it. When the law entered this world and said, don't do that, the sinful nature within you says, who died and made you boss? Watch me. Make me. That is how sinful we are. The offense abounds. It makes the offense abound by removing all excuse. That's what the law does. It removes all excuse. If sin was sinful before the law said, don't do that, how much more sinful is it when the law says, don't do that, and you do it anyway? When the law comes and says, thou shalt not, and you do it, it removes all excuses of ignorance. Oh, but the law doesn't apply to me because I've never read the Bible. <laughs> never read it, so I've never heard it. Okay, that's not ignorance, that's arrogance. The next time the police officer pulls you over and says, you were speeding. Ah, that law doesn't apply to me because I don't look at the speed limit signs. <laughs> Is it going to work? It hasn't worked for me. The, the right for the law to judge you isn't based on you reading the law. The right for the law to judge you is based on the law being given. Whether you see the speed limit sign or not, whether you acknowledge the speed limit sign or not, it's there. It's there, and you will be judged. It, the law is unaffected. The speed limit sign is unaffected by your blindness to it. Its jurisdiction remains. Whether you read this book or not, it's here. It's here. 
It has been given, and its authority is unaffected by your lack of reading it. What about the people who've never seen the Bible? Read Romans chapter 1. The things, the invisible things of God are clearly seen. They are clearly seen from the creation of the world. Not, not the book, not the word of God, but the works of God. I've never read the word of God. Just look at the works of God and you will clearly see what you need in order to believe that there is a creator out there and he has eternal power and Godhead so that you are without excuse. Even if you never read this book, the heavens declare the glory of God. So whether you know the law or not, the law has been given. Okay, so review real quickly. Before the law came, we were sinners. After the law entered, it revealed just how expansive, how disgusting, how rebellious, and how wicked we truly are. Sin abounds in this world and in your heart and in my heart. Sin abounds because when the law says no, we say yes. Sin abounds because when the law says go, it's our nature to say make me. Sin abounds because the law tells us what is wrong and we choose to do it anyway. Before the law, sin existed. After the law, it revealed to what extent it existed. And it existed in abundance. I can understand that. Right? I can understand that. Here's what I can't understand. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. It's okay to get excited. Uh, okay, I'll get you excited. I'll get you excited. Follow along. Where sin about, and, and you know why? You know why? Because we don't understand it. We don't understand it. When I think of the abundance of sin just in my life, and it's okay to be honest, okay? Your preacher is a sinner. And I think that's why you come. I think you can relate to me if he can do it. <laughs> When I think of the abundance of sin just in my heart over the past week, God help me. And then I multiply that by the billions of people who are alive today and the billions of people who have already died and each and every one of us have made our own extensive contribution into the oceans of sin. The the, the abundance of sin in this world is so vast it, it, it doesn't even affect me. It's, it's hard to affect me. It's, it's like trying to explain the vastness of the universe or, or the national debt of America. You know, how many ever trillions and trillions? It's so big, you're like, okay. Now, if we said America owes a million dollars, we'd be like, oh my goodness, that's a lot. <laughs> we're building a $2.3 million building and we're like, oh my goodness. And then we talk about trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions, and we're like, well, that stinks. It's it's so big, we can't even understand. Okay, our Milky Way, our Milky Way, all right? I'm going to nerd out on you for a little bit. Our Milky Way is 100,000 light years across. Can we say uh, our, our, our galaxy abounds? 100,000. Traveling at the speed of light. It would take you 100,000 years to cross our galaxy. Our galaxy abounds. That's the Milky Way. <sighs> there is a galaxy called IC 1011. 
that teaches me two things. The person who used to name galaxies was much more creative than the person who is naming galaxies now. That galaxy is four million light years across. Okay, the Milky Way abounds. I see 1011 much more abounds. Sin abounds. Grace does much more sin, defiance, disobedience, rebellion against God. I'm just going to push through. I don't know if you're going to get it. I hope that you get it. Defiance, <laughs> rebellion against God, and then grace, forgiveness, favor, love, undeserved, sin, defiance from man to God, grace, forgiveness, and love, and favor from God toward man. Where sin abounded, grace did much more. I don't understand that. Do you understand that? Let me rewrite Romans 5.20 to where I can understand it. Okay? Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, and where sin abounded, judgment did much more abound. I can understand that. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, and where sin abounded, God's wrath did much more abound. That would make sense to me. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, and where sin abounded, punishment did much more. That's not what the Bible says. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, and where sin, no, no, not and, but, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now, I have a choice at this moment. Ooh, okay. I have a choice at this moment. Because I've, I've got to do my best, and I, I've got to do my best to try to get you to understand this, but I've already admitted, Brother Mark, that I don't even understand it. So that's like somebody coming up to my door and selling me solar panels. You need to get this because it does this and this and this and this. You know what my question is? Do you have them on your house? No. Get out, get out of my face. <laughs> So I understand, I'm telling you guys, you've got to understand this, but I've already told you that I can't. The good news is there are two ways that you can understand something. There are two ways that you can come to the understanding of something. Way number one, explanation. Take gravity, for instance, okay? Many of us would have to admit, we do not know exactly how gravity works, right? We don't have to understand how gravity works in order to know it's true. We, I do not have to understand everything about Romans 5.20 to know that it's true. It's the great thing about it. Okay. If we don't understand gravity, I am sure we can find somebody who could come here and eloquently and clearly and extensively explain gravity. Or I can just do this. There are two ways that you can come to understand something, explanation or observation. I have no explanation 
to help you understand how God's grace abounds much more than our sin. But I can share with you some of my observations. And after I share with you some of my observations, I'm going to teach you three truths about grace. And then we'll go home. Okay? I cannot explain Romans 5.20. But when I look in Scripture, here's what I observe. I observe a woman by the name of Rahab. And she's an immoral woman. She gives in to temptation. And she tempts others. She is not only a harlot herself, she is the cause. She has not only broken her own family, she breaks other families. She invites men in their weakness into her house of whoredoms in order to give them an opportunity to fall and cheat on their wife. She provides them with a place. She provides them with a person. She provides them with secrecy. She, she provides them with anonymity. She even feeds them while she does it. And she makes money off of it. Her sin abounds. What's God going to do? What's God going to do? Because her city is about to be plundered and invaded by his people. What's God going to do? Now, certainly she has regrets. Certainly she has baggage. Certainly she has scars. And certainly she has memories that will never leave her. But here's what God does. Let's rescue her. Let's rescue her and her family. Let me introduce her to a godly man in Israel let them get married, have their own family, have their own kids that will one day lead to Jesus Christ himself. Amen. I cannot understand that. But when I observe it, here's what I can tell you. It must be true. Romans 5.20 must be true. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Amen. When I look back in scripture, here's what I observe. I observe David. A king who knew better, who stayed behind one day when he should have gone to war. And he looks, and he lusts, and he takes, and he lies, and he covers, and he kills, and he marries, and he hides. What is God going to do? Now certainly, certainly, David had to deal with punishment. But what's God going to do? Dethrone him? Kill him? Now the baby dies, and there's punishment, and there's violence in his house, and there's heartache. But what's God going to do? I'm going to let David and Bathsheba have another child. And they're going to name him Solomon. But God tells Nathan, I'm not going to call him Solomon. I'm going to call him Jedidiah. You know what Jedidiah means? Beloved of the Lord. Oh, and by the way, another ancestor of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that, Brother John? I don't understand that. Can't explain it. But when I observe it, here's all I can say. It must be true. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Amen.
I could tell you about Hosea. I could tell, how about just the nation of Israel who rebelled and, and worshiped idols and disobeyed and blasphemed God? What's God going to do? Kill them all. Start over with somebody else, right? And certainly they were scattered and they were exiled and they were captured. But then he says this, how shall I give thee up, O Ephraim? I'm going to bring you back together and I'm going to put a new heart within you by sending my own son to die for your sins. I do not understand that and I can't explain it. But when I observe it, it must be true. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. What about Peter? who follows afar off and then curses and denies three times. What's God going to do? Kick him out from the apostleship. Replace him with somebody else. Replace him with somebody who can actually control their temper just a little bit. And certainly Jesus gave him a look that cut him to the core. But when he sent the angels down to reveal that he had risen from the dead, he said this, go and tell his disciples, oh, and Peter. Don't leave him out because I still have plans for him. And that man preaches Pentecost where 3,000 people get... I, I can't explain that. Can you explain that, Miss Luther? I can't explain it. But when I observe it, Romans 5.20 must be true. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. One time there's a woman. She's married. But she meets another man in the market and in the synagogue, I don't know, she meets another man and they start talking. And she made the move or he made the move and they meet up and they commit adultery one with another and they get caught in the very act. The man escapes, she doesn't. And in her current state, an angry mob brings her as she is to Jesus himself in front of a crowd of people and throw her down in front of them and say, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. And you know what the law says? Thou shalt not. But what do you say? Because our law says we should stone her. What do you say? What's Jesus going to do? Yeah, stone her. Killer. He says, you, you who is without sin, because you know what the law of Moses says? Bring both parties to be stoned. Where's the man? You're all sinning right now at this moment. So you who is without sin among you, you cast the first stone. And they all leave. And it's just the woman and Jesus himself. What's Jesus going to do? Because he was without sin. He could have picked something up. He could have cast it at her. Woman, where are those thine accusers? Has no man condemned thee? No man, Lord. Neither do I. I can't explain that. But when I observe it, it must be true. I can't explain gravity. But... It must be true. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. I can tell you about Saul. Or how about the cross, where mankind reaches its depths of depravity by crucifying the Lord himself. And they mock him, and they beat him, and they scourge him. And they tell him, come down from the cross, show us this one more sign, and we'll believe you. 
What's Jesus going to do? Call 12 legions of angels and wipe this place out? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Where sin abounds. Grace does much more abound. When I look back in history, there's a man named John Newton, owned slaves, sold, sold slaves, shipped slaves, tortured slaves, killed slaves. What's God going to do? Wipe them off the face of the earth, let them burn in hell where he belongs. No, he saves John Newton. And John Newton writes the words, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I look back at my mom and my dad. Messed up in the world. Their sin abounds. And there they are. I can't explain that. But where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. When I look at my own life, my sin abounds. Nobody needs to tell me I'm wicked. Nobody needs to tell me about my words, about my thoughts, about my actions, and about my disobedience. No one needs to tell me. No one needs to convince me of all the times I've failed. I was given everything on a silver platter in a Christian home. It's all right, baby, I'm crying too. I was given everything. And I've done so many things wrong. And yet here I am. And there's not one sin on my record. And he saved me, and he called me, and he's used me. I have a great family. I have a great staff. I have great kids. I have the most amazing wife. And I get to pastor the most incredible people in the world. I can't explain that. But it must be true. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And that teaches me three things, and I'm going to give them to you, and then we're going to go. Truth number one, God has enough grace to forgive you. You've done wicked things. You've said horrible things. You've gone to terrible places. You've seen awful sights. You've listened to sinful sounds. You've neglected to do what is right. I've met people who've said, I've killed. I've lied. I've cheated. I've stolen. I've hated. I've bribed. I've taken bribes. I've lusted. I've damaged. I've plotted. I've wished for great evil. And I've committed great evil. My sin abounds. Yes, it does. But where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. I am overrun by sin you can be overwhelmed by grace. 
Well, that's too good to be true. When you hear the gospel, it sounds too good to be true. It's like that million-dollar sweepstakes call. Too simple. It's only too good to be true if you ignore Jesus' part. The only reason all you have to do is trust is because he was tortured for you. The only reason all you have to do is accept his grace is because he died for you. The only reason all you have to do is ask is because he rose again and he ascended for you. The only reason it's so simple for you is because it was so hard for him. If you go to hell when you die, it will not be because your sin was too much for Jesus to handle. If you go to hell when you die, it will not be because Jesus didn't have enough grace for you. It will not be because Jesus refused you. It will be because you refused his grace. You will not go to hell because of a lack of grace. You will go to hell because of a lack of humility. And that's truth number two about grace. Grace is only given to the humble. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Look back at every single one of those stories that I mentioned. Rahab, David, uh, that, that woman in adultery, Peter, Saul, Israel, John Newton, my parents, me. Look back at every single one of them, and there was a moment of humble confession. You're asking, can God save me? Wrong question. The question is not, can God save me? The question is, will I admit I need saving? Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. There is a religious man. I do this, I do this, I do this, 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 this. And off in the corner, there was another wicked man whose sin abounded. And he said, Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that man was forgiven. Grace is an ocean. If grace was an ocean, imagine grace being the national seashore right here. You know what humility is? You're all access pass to dive in. That's the entrance fee. Just be humility. Just, just be humble. Truth number three, just because God has more grace than you will ever need doesn't mean you should take advantage of it. Just because you can dive in doesn't mean you should swim in it constantly. Look at Romans 6.1. Right after Romans 5.20. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid that adulterous woman who Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. He didn't stop there, did he, Brother James? Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is abundant grace. That is overwhelming grace. Two verses later, 1 John 2, 1, my little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. Grace is not a license to sin. It's a cleansing for it. Just because God's grace abounds much more doesn't mean you should let your sin abound just as much. I'm glad that whenever and how, however frequently I need grace, I'm glad it's always there. But I don't want to be grace's most frequent customer. In fact, there's two types of grace. There's get right grace and there's stay right grace. 
Don't constantly be using get right grace. Titus 2.12 says, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Get some stay right grace in your life. Stop going back for get right grace all the time. I wonder, do you know of this grace in your own life? Because your sin abounds. You are overrun. Are you overwhelmed? Are you saved by the grace of Jesus Christ? If you can say yes, raise your hand. Don't raise your hand if you can't. I know that I am saved. God bless you. If you couldn't raise your hand, if you're asking, can God save me? Yes. Yes. But my sin abounds. Yes, he can. The question is, will you admit you need saving? And if you could not raise your hand, you will have a chance in just a little bit to say, I need this grace in my life. And if God's grace could overwhelm my sin today, I want it. I want it. I want it now. I need saving. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.